up, you guys? And welcome back to another episode of Illuminati, the podcast where we drink beer and talk about conspiracy theories. My name is John. And this is Jake. And uh, yeah, so today we have a very interesting episode for you. But before we talk about what we're talking about, let's talk about beer. So Jake, what are we drinking? All right. We are diving into two beers from the uh, very weirdly presented resident culture down in Charlotte. We're still uh, riding on the North Carolina beers, which one day we maybe we will escape. Maybe yeah, not. I feel like we're trying to branch out, but there's just we're inundated with North Carolina beer here. There is a f- metric fuckton of breweries in North Carolina. It's hard to like go anywhere. We and, have a lot of loyalists. Yeah, in this town. <laughs> yeah, and not find like a brewery from here. Yeah, because most of the times, I mean, you can go to for a beer for an average beer selection in Raleigh. You can go to a grocery store and you're going to get. Stone, Heineken, Yingling, those guys. Yeah, but then there's the, the Millers whole, and the all that. Exactly, and then there's the whole like section of quote unquote microbrews. Yeah, where it's all of the local stuff. Right. You know. Well, there's like the national craft brew too. So you right. get stuff like yeah, Sierra Nevada and uh, Goose Island. And, right. You know, and all that kind of stuff. And you can get those pretty much at any grocery store here. Which yeah, we're pretty lucky in North Carolina. It's not like we're in Oklahoma. Where it's all like three, five Budweiser, and that's it. Right. You know? It's like four percent and under. That's all they can drink. Right. Not to call out Oklahoma, but yeah. And I actually think that if I remember correctly, until recently, recently being the last like year or year and a half or something like that, they really could only have up to like three and a half percent beer or something like that. So yes. like all of the major breweries, like Miller and Bud and all that, yeah. they had. Oklahoma specific versions of their beer that were three, five and under. That is absolutely the case. Yeah. So um, I think it's two years ago now uh, we drove across country when we moved from Los Angeles to, to Raleigh and we stopped in Oklahoma and literally the only beer you could find was specially brewed. Uh, I think it was 3.5 Budweiser, 3.5 Michelob. And it was very, very disappointing. Yeah. But yeah, so I have some extended family that lives out there and they were basically like, we just like drive across state lines, get beer, come back. Fair. I I saw that in uh, Pennsylvania a lot when I lived in Pittsburgh because you have to basically, if you want a craft beer, you have to buy by the case. Oh, weird. So if you want like a really good beer, it's going to cost you $100 for a case of it, you know, and you can't just buy two of them. You know? Yeah, I met the Sycamore rep recently too, and yeah. I was telling her it was very frustrating to try and get certain craft beers that I wanted because even here, like not all of the bottle shops or grocery stores carry everything right. that you know whatever brewery makes. And so if there's like a particular beer that you want, they'll order it for you, but you have to buy a whole case. And I'm like, I've never had this right. beer before, so I'm not going to buy, <laughs> you know, an entire case 24, of yeah. Yeah, 24 tall boys when yeah. a four pack is $20. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm not dropping a hundred and whatever dollars that is to get an entire case of a beer I've never had before. Right. And luckily here we have a lot of access to local breweries. Yeah. And so we can just go to the brewery and buy what we want there. I mean, right. I, I haven't been to a brewery yet where you can't walk out with a six pack or something, you know? Yeah. Basically everything they make. Yeah, exactly. Right. So anyways, that brings us back to resident culture, which is down in Charlotte. I have never been there. Me either. 
Uh, they uh, they seem to like the all black goth can kind of setup. Yeah, this uh, is very goth life. For it sure. is. Yeah, the art is sort of reminiscent of uh, Adventure Time horror adventure time. Yeah, with the kind of pinched faces and lots of veins and stuff going on. Um, very interesting design choices. Um, I am drinking the weekend safety brief. Uh, on the front, there's a dude in a uh, kind of a flag shirt, and he's got a little tiny pinched face here. It's a uh, it's a hazy IPA coming in at 7.2%. Uh, brewed mainly with Citra hops and the um, uh, 2019 YCH Veterans Hop Blend. Um, it's it's a tasty tasty beverage. It's a it's a pretty pretty good hazy for what uh, I'm used to and what I'm into. Um, it's very thick, kind of borderlining on milkshake. Um, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I also have a beer from Resident Culture in Charlotte. Mine is called Lightning Drops. It's also an IPA, 6.5% ABV. And the IBU isn't on here, which is interesting. But um, this one says it's a hazy IPA hopped with Citra, Mosaic, and Galaxy hops, bursting with juicy tropical fruit and dank citrus. Um, It's good. I mean, again, so goth can artwork is like a weird skeleton alien monster riding on like a moped or something like that. (laughs) And he has like a lightning bolt going through his head. There's a lot of like yellow and red and stuff like that. Like it's definitely a cool can. Um, It stands out for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, Especially it being the black can. Like the whole can is black. The top is cat black. Well, not the bottom's not black, but like the pull tab is black and everything. Like it's definitely a cool uh, aesthetic for sure. Um, I don't know that I 100% agree with the description. Yeah. Because it says bursting with juicy tropical fruit. I don't think that I agree with that. It definitely has the dank. Uh, I'm not getting a ton of centrist. Like it's a very like, I guess balanced would be a nice way to call it. If we're talking about that, like it's not giving me a bunch of juice. It's not giving me a bunch of citrus. I am getting a ton of dank. Not quite like, Sure. Full on weed level dank. But <laughs> like I'm less than halfway through this thing and I already have IPA tongue. Sure. Yeah. Same like I can feel one, yeah. the like, I don't is know. Is it right? Yeah. The thickness. Yeah. yeah. Is it citrusy the way like LaCroix is citrusy where it's like somebody in the next room is yelling at yelling the word orange at you and you kind of have the essence of it? Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's very overpowering with the dank and not really with the citrus. Like it is yeah. very hazy. But I'm getting that very like side of the back of the tongue, very back of the tongue, kind of danky, skunky, kind of sure. IPA yeah. flavor or whatever. But I'm not getting very much of the bright citrus, juicy kind of jam. I love, I love me some added citrus to IPAs. Yeah, one of uh, a bar I used to go to uh, in LA, their their home style beer, you would ask for something home style. Yeah. And what they would do to it was pour a shot of grapefruit juice into it. Okay. So the best, a little bit of like a rad, like a very gentle Radler throw almost. But what I would always get would be a racer five IPA. Okay. With a shot of grapefruit in it. Okay. And it was perfect. I don't know what it was about that combination. Like, I feel like we should try and recreate that. 
We could easily. It wouldn't be. I, I think we can get Racer 5 here. I haven't we seen can. it in a while. Okay. Yeah, we can yeah. definitely get Racer 5 here. Okay, yeah. So it was the Racer 5. on. They always had it on draft with a shot of grapefruit juice. Okay. And it was called their home style, and it was perfect. It was like the perfect amount of citrus. It was in there. It was great. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I, I feel like the only beers I ever add stuff to is Cervezas. What do you add to Cervezas? Tequila? Lime. Oh, lime. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and not uh, a ton. Just uh, like, I don't drink them, but like Blue Moons, do you put? Orange. Do you put? Orange. Put yeah. Orange slice of that? Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like I drank a lot of Blue Moon when I was like very young. You know, yeah, it's kind of like um, it's it's the it's like the it's the entry level craft beer. It's yeah. like the easy button of craft beers, sort of. It's not craft at all, but like when you go to a bar and they have it on tap, you're like Blue Moon. Yeah, give me that. Yeah, like I can remember being like 21 or you 22, feel special. Yeah. and they had a um a Uno Chicago pizza here in Briar oh, sure. Creek, okay. which has since closed years ago, um for reasons. I actually love Uno. Which okay. all of my Chicago friends kind of hate me for saying yeah. that I love Uno, but I kind of do. Um, and but I haven't had it forever because the Uno here closed, and so there's no other way to get Chicago pizza in Raleigh now. Like there's now n- Chicago pizza. Nowhere. You're talking deep dish. Oh yeah, you're talking Sicilian thick deep dish. Yeah, that's my. Jam. I love. I love. I'm thick, talking thick like pizza. full yeah. on deep dish like yeah. pie level pizza. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. And I always thought that the, you know, the Uno crust was really good. It was cool to be able to, you know, go to a spot that makes really traditional style Chicago deep dish pizza in Raleigh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But Uno since closed and um, like I can remember going out to that Uno with my parents, you know, like right after I turned 21 and my dad being like, well, you're 21 now. Do you want to get a beer? And I'm like, um, fuck <laughs> yeah, let me get a blue moon. And by the way, give me a gigantic fucking slice of orange with it. You of know course. what I mean? And it was always dope. That's what you do. Yeah. Um, and since then, you know, the Uno's closed, which makes me sad. So the only way. Or, Where was it? Where was the Uno? Uh, it was in Briar Creek. Oh, okay. Which Got is it. like an area kind of just north of Raleigh, sort of in between Durham yeah. and Raleigh. Um, but since then, um. I used to work for a company that was based in Chicago and one of my best friends okay. lives in Chicago. And so I used to go there multiple times a year. And every time I'd go, I'd, he'd be like, what do you want to eat? And I'm like, um, fuck obviously. pizza. <laughs> obviously. Um, so every time I go, I'd try a different pizza spot. Cool. And I was working my way through all of the pizza spots. Yeah. And, um, eventually I just got kind of tired of trying all the different pizza spots. And I just sort of settled on the fact that I loved Lumanati's. Okay. And, and my buddy agreed. He was like, Luminati's is dope. Like if you're going to come. Luminati's? Yeah. Like, Lu- bre- like brew Luminati's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But this is, it's Lu. Okay. Malnati's. Gotcha. Okay. And um, yeah, Luminati's makes great pizza. It's cool. delicious. It's like. Any idea if they're still there? Oh, absolutely. There's cool. a ton of Lou Malnati's. Um, They're all over the place. Oh, there, oh it's like a, there's a bunch of them. Okay. Yeah. There's a number of them. And. Um, the one thing that Lou Malnati's does, which I have not yet done, but I am going to do eventually, is they uh, blast freeze and ship their pizzas. Oh, cool. So you can like go onto Lou Malnati's website, order as little as one and as many as basically however many Lou Malnati's pizzas you want. They blast freeze them, put them in a box, and ship them to you. Okay, and then so they- for a future episode, we're going to review... The Illuminati's. We'll, yeah. we'll get this. Oh, Lord man. This. You know what we should do? 
for a future episode, we Blue should moons with orange. <laughs> no, actually, I'm, I'm going a slightly different direction. I feel like we should get. I should have my buddy like mail me a bottle of Malort, which I'll talk about that what that is here in a second. Okay. Um, I should have him send me a bottle of Malort, and then I'll order a couple of Lumanati's frozen pizzas, and I'll also have my buddy mail me a kit like a twelve pack of Old Style. And we'll just have like okay. a ultimate Chicago episode where we like bake, a, we make a couple of these Lumanati's pizzas. We drink a bunch of old style, um, which is basically Chicago's version of PBR. Uh, yeah, or, I've had it. I've um, had it. Yeah. yeah. Or um, if you're from uh, Baltimore, it's like Chicago's version of yeah. Natty Bow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's dope. Like every time I would go up there, we'd like go to a Cubs game and yep. we'd get, you know, uh, cold hot dogs and warm old style and eat yeah. a giant. Uh, like they make these like five pound uh, pretzels that come in a pizza box oh, with like yeah, nine yeah. toppings. Yeah. And it, it's awesome. Um, but then like another extremely Chicago-y thing that basically everybody I've ever met except like really hardcore Chicagoans absolutely hates. It's horrible. Um but it's this, and I don't actually know a ton about what specifically it is, but basically it's a very native Chicago liquor and okay. it tastes like ass juice that's been poured through a stinky shoe. Cool. Like it just tastes like hot garbage. This is the Malot? Malort. Malort. Okay. Yeah. So it's like M-A-L... O with uh, the two dots accent. Or R-T. umlaut. Yeah, yeah, umlaut, yeah. Okay. Malort. How it's, would you describe it, the taste? Horrible. Or just awful? Yeah, like the first time, one of the first times I went, my buddy was like, all right, bro, we need to do a pickleback and then we do need to do a malort shot. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing to me? And I took this thing and you should have seen my face. It was Trying like to get your finish early. horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it just tastes horrible. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, if you've never had malort, like... And Chicago people think it's funny. Yeah. Because Chicago people love Malort. They think it's great. And, um, but basically anybody who's never had it thinks it's horrible. And so sure. they make you take it as like a. Sounds like Sleeve of Have you ever had Sleeve of It's? Uh uh-uh. uh. No. It's, it's like a plum brandy that the, um, it's whenever I go into a bar and I want to upset someone, that's what I order them. Yeah. Uh, but it's rare to find. It's essentially a, um, I want to say it's Ukrainian, but I might be wrong. But it's a it's a plum brandy that the best way to describe the taste is the front end is a tire on fire and the back end is the melted rubber going down. Just awful Oof. on the front, the back, and everything in between. But people who know what it is love it. Yeah. Um, the first place I had it was there's a bar next door to City Lights bookstore in San Francisco. Okay. And I went over there and there was a guy there and there was a bunch of us and he ordered it for me as a joke and I drank it and I was like, this is disgusting. <laughs> and then I ordered it for the next person next to me. Yeah. And we just kind of like passed it down the line for people that were unsuspecting and we oh were God. all disappointed at the end of the night. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. But it was, it was, yeah. Some people love it though. Like some people that's their jam, you know, probably Malort. There's probably like these hardcore people who are like, yeah, drink a, a bottle of it a night, you know? Yeah. And they don't want the cheap Malort. They want like the artisanal right. Malort. Right, right, right. <laughs> that, like we need the stuff that is specifically derived from ass. Like yeah. we have to have that one. Yeah. There's you know? literally so, yeah. like ass in this. Um, well, it's similar to like here. It's like when I want in North Carolina, 
to just give somebody something very unsuspecting that they're like, and I, and I try and downplay it. I'm like, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, I break out the like real super illegal, no teeth mountain people moonshine. Oh yeah. 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 And like, which uh, people can get like the basic moonshine yeah. here. Like you can buy that at the liquor store. Yeah. Like you can get the legal moonshine. Right. And, which is like, just rubbing like, alcohol. Basically. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't know. The, the legal stuff is, it's just not good. It doesn't have that mountain soul to it. And <laughs> you mean um, the blackout juice. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like the real moonshine that was like, made in the deep right. hills and stuff like it's just on a whole other different kind of level it really is yeah and um yeah i mean i think a lot of people are very afraid of moonshine and it's probably because the only stuff they've had is like the store shit yeah and that stuff really does it tastes just like diesel it's like hot oh yeah burn the well, whole people way think, down it's terrible people think blindness when they think of moonshine yeah because i and, mean people used to go blind drinking that like, yeah i mean but there's ways like if you know about it how to test it right. make sure it's safe yeah. and all that kind of stuff and um but the really good stuff i mean like you just like pour it in a mason jar you know and yeah. uh you swirl it around a little bit you smell it it smells like corn yeah um and then you take a sip of it and it's this like it's so smooth it's just like they're really afraid of it and then yeah. all of a sudden they take it it's the complete opposite of more. yeah if it's well done it's well done yeah. yeah i've had i've had straight from the till like so yeah. like crazy moonshine yeah. yeah and um if it's done right it's great yeah and, and yeah, and it's just funny because it's the opposite of Malort where people are like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. You're going to be yep. fine. You take it. It's horrible. And this is the opposite. People are afraid of it. They're like, this is going to be so horrible. I've right. heard all these bad things about it. It fucks you up really fast, which still true. Um, it's like 180 proof or something. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they have to cut it with water because when it comes out, it is 99%. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's, like, it's 198 proof. Like, wow. It's, yeah. So they have to cut it down with water. Um but people are real afraid. They're like, I don't know if I should. They get all like antsy. They're like, you know, yeah. I don't know. Should I do this? Understandable. Though, and then yeah. I'm like, look, you're going to be fine. You're <laughs> going to get fucked up in about negative seconds. Right. But just take when a sip. you, yeah, when you do take a sip of it, it's going to like, you're going to get this like blast of corn in your mouth. It's going to like come up through your nose and be like very corny. And then on the way down, <laughs> it's going to be super smooth and you're going to immediately, your whole body just gets hot. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. great. And like people do it and they're like, oh my God, that was so good. And then I'm like, don't drink anymore. Five minutes from now, you're going to be blasted. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, they should have, you know, the, you know, the St. Bernard's that go out into the, into the snow drifts looking for people with the, with the like jug around their neck, the wooden jug full of, I think they put brandy in it yeah. or something. They should be putting moonshine in that. Yeah, absolutely. That's the beer. So Jake, what are we talking about now? All right. So. And uh, this is inevitable. We are talking about the shape of the earth. Uh, this is not just flat earth. This is not just round earth. We are looking into what the people who buy into flat earth actually think the shape of the earth is and what they're arguing about with. All right. So I don't know a ton about flat earth. So thankfully, I thought it was just like when people say flat earth, it's pizza. Right. So that's kind of what I think. Yeah. So one of the, one of the issues with that is that yes, originally going back into, into the, into the back far reaches of time. That was the idea is you basically have either the pizza or the snow globe, you know, okay. you're looking at one or the other. 
But as time moved forward, people started realizing that that doesn't jive with modern physics. Right. So instead of... So like the Christopher Columbus sail off the side of the earth and it's flat and then you just fall into oblivion. Exactly. That's like not it. Exactly. So instead of like trying to figure out how that can jive with modern physics, okay. they basically shoehorn their ideas into new shapes. Okay. So they're trying to find a shape, not pizza, that does fit with physics, but it's not a sphere. They're try- Exactly. They're trying okay. to find something that works with all the rules they have to c- contend with because okay. every time you put a level up against a, a somewhere and you start proving things, it all falls apart because the Earth's not flat. Right. So what they start doing is making Earths in the shape of like diamonds and pepperonis and different things. And so... Okay. We're going to get into that a little bit. All right. So um, basically, you know, as we've been talking about, the, the the shape of the earth is settled. We know it's round. We know it's a globe. We know it's a ball, whatever we want to say. Okay. And um, we know it rotates tilting on an axis. We know it makes one singular loop around the sun. Exactly. Okay. So what we're not debating is stuff like that. We're not debating. The reality. Yeah. Yes. We're not debating like, proving retrograde. We're not talking about multiple cycles on cycles, which is something, which is a theory they used to use to try and prove retrograde, right. which we know is not true. Um, so anything we we know as like scientific fact, right? Singular rotation, exactly. sun's the center, stuff like that. Right. I mean, that stuff's settled. You know, that's settled math, that's settled ideas. You okay. Know? We can dive into the, I mean, we can at some point dive into that stuff. And, you know, that's the stuff where you see people like Shaq come out and say, you know, who knows? And you see Eddie Bravo come out and say, maybe it is. And the reality is like, we've looked at the science and we know what it is. Right. So, so we're not going to dive into that because I mean, even going as far back as 500 BC, Pythagoras pulled apart and looked at that. The moon is a sphere makes sense. The earth is a sphere. The other planets are spheres. Right. And we looked at the way things are. So Scientists and people a lot smarter than us proved this stuff a long time ago. And I mean, you can look at ships falling over horizons. You can look at the way shadows cast on sticks stuck in the ground at different latitudes on the planet. You can look at uh, riding in airplanes, how it how it works. Um, yeah. And then literally Throwing satellites up in space, right. uh, uh, star pat, you know, star patterns between um, that's North, a big, Northern that's, Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere. Exactly. There's so many ways to prove. Yeah. It's a circle. I mean, and, at the worst case, you know, you send people up into space, the droplet, you know, when they're on the International Space Station and they're teaching kids about like how you drink water and the water comes out yeah. of the thing and it immediately blobs around and eventually turns into round. Right. You know, that is the standard 100%. shape of something that was once liquid turns around, you know, and the earth was and once it's a ball. molting lava. Yeah, of course. You know, essentially, yeah. and then it solidified. Yeah. It's round. Or it's 6,000 years old and dinosaurs were here with Jesus. Who knows? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but uh, Jesus had a pet raptor and he definitely rode it around. He was I've, basically like, uh, so... <laughs> like Yoshi, like he was just yeah, like essentially. I'm like, uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, the Mario games are based on uh, Jesus <laughs> riding his pet raptor <laughs> six thousand years ago. Yeah, and the mushrooms, like he's just expanding his consciousness. Yeah, exa- exactly. That. Yeah, and um, which, how insane is it that that shit is legal in what is it, Oregon? 
Oh yeah. Did some, they just legalize yeah. like um, cyclo cyclobins and stuff like that? There's a couple places. It's uh, psilocybin. Yeah, it's not yeah. just it's not just Oregon. I think there's I clearly one or two don't other even places. know the word of it. Yeah, cyclobins. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Cyclopods. Cyclopods. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, I think psilocybin, and I think they. Um, I think um, MDMA research into uh, PTSD advanced in a couple places too, which is a which is a really big deal. Yeah, and I know eventually we want to talk about stuff like LSD research and men staring at goats and all that kind of crap. So I definitely want to get into that as well. Yeah, down the line. Well, one of the one of the most and it's sidetrack, but like the LSD research is fascinating, but also the the MDMA research on PTSD soldiers, yeah, is really fascinating. And like I've I've talked to some of the people for the, from the uh, Maps Project, who are people who are are doing uh, MDMA research, and they're finding incredible success with curing, essentially curing depression with yeah with low doses of MDMA. Yeah, I was about to say that it's like therapy. the yeah. sil, uh, say the word for me then psilocybin. Yes, microdosing that yep. can like uh, basically eliminate depression and anxiety for like yeah. extended periods of time. So it's like once every two years you have to eat like one ten thousandth of a mushroom, and boom, you're like no more anxiety and depression. Like, yeah, I think insane. the microdosing is daily, but it's a similar situation. Yeah, it kind yeah. of like it takes you to a point where you can move beyond that stuff. I one right. of the best descriptions I heard of it was, uh, I think it was. Joe, probably Joe Rogan talking about this with DMT and with, with <laughs> mushrooms. You Have know? you done DMT? If, if it's DMT, it's probably Rogan. But like he was talking about with mushrooms where like if you take a, a big enough dose, your whole life is essentially like the desktop of your of your computer. Yeah. And you can copy all those files and put them into a folder called my old shit. And you can either start fresh or you could start digging back into that folder. Oh, wow. That's interesting. And, and it kind of resets your brain in that path. And um. I have kind of had similar experiences like that with mushrooms and it's very interesting. Okay. You know, so yeah, so I definitely have not, uh, <laughs> but there's a, there's like a really interesting documentary or something like that on Netflix where it's like, you don't need to do hallucinogens cause we have. Right. And yeah, I can't yeah. remember what it's called, but like I wanted to watch it where it was like all these like really famous Hollywood people who are like, I've done drugs and you don't need to because I'm going to tell you what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that does extend to a certain point and it's, Probably for the best. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot of people out there that don't need to do drugs. Like yeah. in general. Yeah, and I think we definitely should at some point talk about like legalization and stuff like that because yeah. like part of it too is like the idea that like if it had been legal this whole time, like how much research the like pharmaceutical companies could have done into oh, like yeah. using THC and and or like all these natural plants essentially that are illegal you know, for like medical research and stuff. Yeah. Like imagine a hundred years worth of pharmaceutical grade research on weed. It, right. it would be like, it would be another like global change. Like be we'd be living in a totally different world. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. I, and, I agree. And it'd be interesting to talk about that. Anyways, <laughs> back to flat earth. So, all so right. aside from the psilocybins on the earth, uh, let's take a quick look at like what flat earthers are actually thinking you know okay. so they basically write off a ton of concrete evidence that's in front of us that the earth is spherical and uh readily accept an endless list of propositions so just like q and honors <laughs> i mean <laughs> with yeah, the shape of the earth <laughs> essentially yeah you know from the beginning it's it's there's flaws there and they look over a lot of the flaws to accept themselves into a community that has a certain set of beliefs okay know? so 
the uh, the leading flat Earth theory is that the Earth is a disk with the uh, Arctic Circle in the dead center of the bullseye, and then the outside is Antarctica, and it's a 150 foot tall impenetrable ice shield uh, guarded with NASA super soldiers and elite U.S. military. Sick. Yeah. So it's basically like in Game of Thrones, if the whatever that northern wall was yeah, called, yeah. The, the Night's Watch was actually uh, NASA, like genetically modified super soldiers. Probably with machine guns. Except it circled the whole world. And maybe grenade launchers. I mean, I'm sure they have all kind of shit like sure. from Doom Eternal. And that'd be awesome. Like stuff like that. Like they have I mean, weapons. We don't even, they probably have energy weapons and stuff. They have stuff that just vaporizes you <laughs> like rail guns. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh dude. Rail guns are like it's the sick. theory for rail guns. hundred percent possible. It just takes a mega metric fuck ton of electricity to make it work. Now, see, I've seen an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he had a rail gun. So that's not true. That's not what they're not like. A, I thought rail guns were a thing. They're not a thing right now. Uh, I don't know. I mean, are so they just a electronically accelerated projectiles yeah. are a thing. Okay. Like Priuses. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like I like growing up, I always wanted that to be more of a thing. Cause like I played like, uh, like metal gear solid. And one of the things is that the metal gear has this, like it has a rail gun on it that fires a tactical nuke. Yeah. And so like basically, uh, the nuke is untraceable because there's no explosion. It's just a thing flying through the air. Oh, wow. Okay. So it could basically use this giant rail gun on it to just like f- electrically projectile a size. Like just hurl something. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's just, just, it just like, and this thing, this nuke just comes whizzing out of the barrel and can go, I don't know, an unlimited amount of distance or whatever. And like, that's how we'd be able to shoot stuff in space because you can't have explosions in space. So like we would have to use like rail guns until we get plasma cool. weapons or, or uh, laser based weapons or whatever. It would have to be like um, electrically charged projectiles. Um, but yeah, sorry. I keep getting off on all these. No, th- it's tracks. actually really cool. Like one of my favorite uh, like theoretical weapons is I think they call them like the rod of Zeus or something. Okay. Where it's just it's a tungsten rod that's like a couple feet long. And they release them from satellites, and then they fall to the earth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! And then when they hit the earth, they hit bigger than any nuclear weapon because of the kinetic energy or something. Yeah. Um, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. They basically just drop these gigantic rods of metal from space. Yeah, it's insane. Like, yeah, and I think I think it's kind of re- a real thing. Like I think people they've been looked at in a serious way. Yeah, like I don't know. I don't I don't know. It's hard to tell because like when we're talking about like weird experimental uh like military weapon technology. Yeah. Um and especially with technology like advancing so quickly. Yeah, you never know what's kind of the reality of what's happening. Yeah. We should do an experimental weapon show. We'll just build some. Yeah. <laughs> we can like look through all of like pop culture history and see if any of the like experimental weapons from pop culture are actually like real or if they would be even be doable. Like the, uh, the cricket for men in black. Yeah. Like little, the yeah. little tiny yeah. pistol that just like makes like a huge explosion or whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, like stuff like the golden eye or, Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And like, you know, uh, not from like a weapon perspective, but the military has all kind of crazy stuff. Like, absolutely. Um, I mean, they have stuff like like the Gorgon's Eye, which I think I've referenced on here, but that's like a 60 billion pixel camera that yeah. gets strapped to a drone and flies around and records whole cities. 
Like, yeah. Like, I mean, to be fair, I'm baffled at the technology in my 2000 Miata versus my 2020 Charger. Right. So I can't imagine like the weapons from 2000 versus 2020, you know? Yeah. And like I mean, my the Charger money senses. that goes into stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like my new car, it senses when I'm walking towards it, it unlocks the doors. Like it knows like yeah. when my fob I is Yeah. I mean, my Corolla does the same thing. When I walk yeah. near it, it lights up. Yeah, uh, it doesn't unlock for me, but it knows when I'm near it. It you wants know? to make sure you're safe. But my Jeep doesn't. Yeah. My Jeep is, does has fucking nothing in it. Your it's, Jeep just exists. It's a brick. Like it's it like a Miata. It just exists. It's just a thing that you have to get into. Yeah, I mean, on. it's yeah. like an engine strapped to a four inch lift. <laughs> like there's nothing to the Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. So I mean, coming back to. to the the flatter flat and the Antarctic Circle. I mean, we can't have space rail weapons if the Earth is flat. No. Well, maybe. I mean, what if there was some sort of like canopy system, and you had them strapped to the fake moon, which is which is thirty two miles across above the Earth. Like if there was like a wire system on the Truman Show's bubble, and exactly. the weapons are just like stringing along. Right. Or Although like, in Truman Show, that light dropped and it didn't really kill anybody, right? You know, it just fell in the street. And yeah. then people were like, oh, fuck, it probably kill somebody though, right? Like, you know. I mean, yeah, if, uh, you know, if a giant like TV set light falls from the fake flat earth canopy. That would kill somebody. For sure. If it hit them. Of course. Yeah. I mean, that's what meteors are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> don't you guys know this stuff? Come obviously on. so if you did some simple math and broke it down on if we have this like circle of antarctica which surrounds the entire earth yeah i'm trying to imagine this in my head now think the un map like picture the map of the un in your head yeah, yeah. and then picture the circle of the earth i mean that's going to be hundreds of thousands of miles all the way around sure that's so, so many super soldiers so, yeah, I mean, picture. So, like, if you had to guard your house, how many NASA super soldiers would you want along your property line? Uh, I mean, really, I just need two. One at the, fr- well, maybe three. One yeah. at the front door, four. One the front door, one the garage, two in the back. Yeah, so four. Yeah. And that's your house, which, I mean, you have a wonderful home. It's nice. Yeah, it's, yeah. But it's not the entire circumference of the globe, you know? No, so, true. So I mean, imagine station- how difficult it is for the United States to protect our border. And that's only... Oh, my God. What? Yeah. Like, look at the... That's Rio. like a thousand miles or something. Well, there's thousands of miles in each direct different ones. You know, up north, there's like three or four thousand miles. Down south, there's a couple thousand miles. Yeah. You know, so you that's look basically at... basically impossible. I mean, it's very difficult, you know. And I mean, so, we would need like uh, look at like how hard laser mounted AI Gatling guns every like 50 feet. Right. And I mean, look at how hard it is just to like build a wall. You know, it's like right. that's build a whole wall. difficult thing. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. like if you look at how many people, you know, you would need somebody every, you know, 50, 100 foot. Yeah. You know, just you'd have to have eyesight. Well, on if the it's other super person. soldiers, I'm sure they just have like um, every like couple hundred miles in the ice wall. There's like a Maybe town. You know yeah. what I mean? There's like a home base. Or they have golf carts. Where, they can like catch up to the other guys. Oh, yeah. They have like, <laughs> yeah, they have like. Or uh, like a monorail around the lip. Yeah. So they can catch a ride to wherever wherever some guys trying to breach the flat earth. I'm imagining like hydrogen powered uh, golf carts. 
You know what sure, I mean? Sure, yeah. And they have to ride on those around the surface circumference of the of the ice wall until they get to wherever their like station is. Are these and on that, rails or just along? No, the I think ice? they just have like a like imagine like the wall of China, but okay. behind that, and they have this little road that just like drives along the back of the wall. Sure. And they have to like they wake up every morning at their little home base. They like kiss their little like NASA super soldier wife who's like pregnant right. with nineteen children at a time. Yeah, I mean, you would probably do that. There's nothing else to do. Right. And then they get in their little hydrogen-powered golf car, Had and they have to drive it to their little thing, and they show up, and they're like, hey, Bob, how are you doing today? Yeah, great. You know, I have to clean my laser weapon last night. Yeah, <laughs> You know what I mean? And you got to keep those things wall, sparkling. Yeah. And they're like, uh, did anybody sail by today? And they're like, fuck no, this place is cold as balls. <laughs> <laughs> we are literally in the Nobody middle of nowhere. Nobody comes here. <laughs> <laughs> there was one guy who had a GoFundMe account, but uh, yeah, he, he got cold and left yeah (laughs) that dude raised a bunch of money and then disappeared and by disappeared i mean we vaporized him right right or he (laughs) moved to miami whatever yeah you know um yeah exactly so i mean the reality of i mean let's not even be silly about nasa super soldiers but the reality of being out there there's like there's no way that we could put people i mean it would have to be an international effort just to say the least you know you can't just have there would have to be this like entire society of hundreds of millions of people living in this ice wall society like i'm imagining it in my head where it's like you imagine like the night's watch from game of thrones except it's the it's like multiple black castles or whatever that place is called surrounding the entire planet and each one of those like has like however many people and they basically have these women there who are just like super soldier baby farms (laughs) you know what i mean and they have all this they're like uh, growing synthetic vertical planting systems to make their food. You know what I mean? Feed like the kids, it would have, it would know, have to yeah. be so complicated. It's a whole thing. Like I feel like there would be more people manning the circle of ice wall than there are inside of the w- actual like world. I, I mean, yes, there would be a whole civilization springing up. Yeah, you know? That's what I'm trying to get to. It'd be an entire civilization of super soldier NASA ice soldiers. Yeah, or whatever. There, there would be like subway franchises down there. And yeah, like except five it wouldn't guys. be subway. It'd be, yeah. you know, NASA super soldier way. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> uh, ice like, guys. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. With like a special like protein turkey that's better for them. You know, yeah. Because I mean, they're right. super soldiers. Yeah. Like, I mean, they have to have knows. the best. Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, obviously nobody's ever seen any of that stuff. Um, well, they have, uh, invisible thermal camo. We can't see them. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But do you think these super soldier subways would put out heat signatures or do you think they maybe filter it through some sort of like ice matrix? So the heat of the cooking, the Turkey doesn't come out. No, they're like hidden inside the wall. The wall has sense. to be big enough that like they live inside the wall. Like there's this entire like cave and oh, tunnel system okay. inside the ice where they live. Like imagine like the rebel base on Hoth where they're like inside sure. the They're ice. all down in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're all like down in there. It's like this okay. network of tunnels and tubes and like, like, like think about a mix between uh, the rebel base on Hoth and Zion from the matrix. Like okay. that's it, but it spans the whole circumference. You think they're getting like new movies down there or yeah, I mean they're streaming. They get satellite internet. They got Netflix. A hundred percent. They have to keep an eye on what the plebes are doing. Obviously. Yeah. 
you know, they they would probably boost the Netflix numbers a lot because they're not really leaving the house or anything. Yeah, plus and they like, probably wouldn't ship beer down there. They're probably not drinking beer. Yeah, know? no, they make their own like uh, you know, diesel liquor or something. Like they or probably like, have like government approved alcohol, hard kombucha or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like when you have your off time from being on the wall, you basically get you know, there's probably like it's probably this whole civilization society where there's no money, right? And they just get provided whatever they need. It's like living and, on a military base. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know the like, there's no like artists or uh, anything like that. Like their whole job is protecting the wall. Their lives are dedicated to protecting the wall. So when they're born, they're like uh, indoctrinated with this whole like your life is to protect the wall, and they have to be super soldiers yeah. and they have to weed out the weak. So if they get like a, you know, uh, a minority in any kind of way, they yeah. just like throw them off the wall and like vaporize. So them like if there's like a like a 14 year old kid who wants to like go off to the big city and, and be a playwright. Yeah. There is no such thing as going to the big city. He just gets chucked into the ice water. Yeah. And there. then yeah. Or they just throw him off the other side of the wall into oblivion or they throw him off into the water. And before he even hits the water, he gets vaporized by one of the like automated oh, the laser turrets. Yeah. yeah, yeah Which yeah. are hidden behind thermal camo. So, you know, makes sense. And maybe they're cold lasers. There's like some kind of Ooh, thing. Yeah. 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 Ice definitely lasers. Cold lasers because they can't risk melting the ice wall. Right. Maybe they actually shoot ice. They could. It could be like an ice rail gun. That would be cool. Where it like sucks in liquid moisture from the ambient atmosphere and creates like a icicle projectile. I feel like there's more technology in the wall than there is in the entire flat earth. I mean, <laughs> I 100% agree. Because the amount of like technology they would have to have to even support this. It's a lot. It'd be, it's like unfathomable. Like I'm over here thinking like, how do they do their waste? How do they produce food? Like, do they actually have meat? Like recycling? Are yeah. they just eating like protein goo? You know what I mean? Like, do they have parties? Like probably soil and green. There's probably no women on the wall. It's just like super soldier men. So like, you know what I mean? I like get rough. Uh, yeah. Like there's basically, there's I so many like variables. a, um, like a, uh, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World kind yeah. of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing going on, where it's like the the women are just there to like produce children, essentially like baby farm kind of situation. You would have to have babies being born into the into the NASA Super Soldier Protection Society because you couldn't go kidnapping kids. Yeah, or, or they just or all of them are synthetic like test tube babies, and as soon as like they put the like genetically modified sperm and genetically modified egg together. They start immediately like genetic therapying them okay. as they're developing and then they just get born in like a test tube and then they're like grown in a baby farm and then they go to like super soldier school. You know, they go to super soldier preschool and then they go to super like soldier the, elementary school and like the guys from Fury Road, like the, the, I forgot what they called them, but the, the guys from Fury Road who were like super pale from Mad Max they had lumps all over their bodies and they were, the, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 no, I know what you're the talking about. The halflings yeah, yeah. or half-lifes or whatever they called them. Yeah. Yeah. They were just like born to fight on the Fury Road. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Or, you know, like, um, basically this exact situation is how it is in all this Huxley's Brave New World, which if yeah. you haven't read that book, read it. It's amazing. It's been a while. Um, it's one of two, uh, you know, it's the only dystopian novel he wrote. He also wrote a utopian novel, but then the everything else he wrote was young women's fiction, which is right. crazy to me. Um, but yeah, basically in that book, it's the same way. Like, um, 
there's certain women who go out into society and are productive. And then there's certain women who are essentially baby farms, but then they don't keep yeah. their babies. They go to like genetically modified super baby school. Yeah. And then they're assigned these different classes or whatever. And so like, I'm sure there's like the guy who picks up trash. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And, but it's kind of Gattaca ish, you know? Yes. Yeah, I imagine yeah. it as this very like Gattaca ish. So you have to be like an elite super soldier to be able to go man the wall, but anything less than that. And you're like, the guy who does the trash or you're the guy who like right, mans yeah. the cafeteria or you clean the head or, or, or whatever. cleaning like, the ice laser weapons, you know? Yeah. That's or you have to done. be the guy that goes and disassembles the ice laser weapon and cleans it, puts it yeah. back together or whatever. I don't know. So if they have Netflix, they probably have some inkling of, well, they probably would ban any sort of like social media down there. You know, you can't, you know, th- yeah, on. no thinking about it now, probably they probably don't support any type of popular media. You wouldn't want them to because they would they would turn it on and they would see what some life is like on the, on the mainland. And, and they would want to be there. To get away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They want them to think that protecting the ice walls the only way. I picture them all living in this like black and white world and then they would see Netflix and it would be all colors and they would want to go to there. Well, I imagine if once they're adults, it's like a like a Clone Wars soldier Mandalorian type situation okay. where they are just uh, like... Um, like I don't even know if they would have names. If they would have like a uh, uh, like Finn from the new series of Star yeah, Wars, yeah. where his name is based on the number they assigned him as a clone uh, right. stormtrooper. Yeah, and really their names are like you know PN one twenty two. Right, you know what right. I mean. I was like, hey PN one twenty two, how are you doing today? You know what I mean. And like they always have to wear their masks and not show their faces. And like there's no personalization. Like there's nothing. It's like they that wear standard NASA super soldier clothes. They have standard NASA super soldier alphanumeric names. You know, like yeah, they'd have. I mean, they'd have to. Yeah. Otherwise, no- like the human condition would just take them over, and the whole. It would civilization would but, fall apart. But yeah. even if you're doing the whole like the super soldiers have to have names and numbers, yeah, wouldn't that breed a situation where they do even more want to be free? Like you got like a 1984 thing going on, and even like Finn, you know, you would want to take your life to the next step and like do something different, you know? Um, yeah. See, I don't know because I feel like even in like a 1984 type situation the control of the civilization would just be way too much. There's no, like... It's too strong. I've, yeah, like I've read 1984 a number of times. The only thing that really bugs me about that book is there's no way that this situation would ever be able to succeed. The 1984 situation or the, our ice wall situation? The 1984 situation, right. which yeah. is what you're alluding to happening on the ice Essentially, wall. Essentially, yeah. Right? It would, because it would if have you to think be the about same. the number of people who are buying into the living the ice wall life would significantly overwhelm the number of people who would be trying to get out of the ice wall life. And so I feel like they would very quickly and clearly be able to identify and eliminate those people. I agree a hundred percent. It would have to be, there'd be no other way. Right. I read a book by Blake, uh, yeah, Blake couch, who's a sci-fi writer, uh, from he's from the area. I think he lives in uh, Winston Salem. Uh, he wrote a, he wrote a series of books called like the pine word something or other trio. And the gist of the books were, were that, uh, the, the, this guy was kidnapped. He awoke and he was living in this weird society with lots of crazy controls. And it turned out they were actually like 
5,000 years in the future and all of society has collapsed and they're trying to maintain this one little city as the last city in the entire planet. Okay. You know? And it's it's actually like a really really like a very like Matrix Zion type sort situation. of yeah yeah and it's it's except they want the illusion of like twentieth century modern life not exactly uh, they're yeah. living in the last bastion right they're humanity. all driving like Jeep Cherokees and like you know and and it's they they play it up in the first one you don't really realize but in the description of the book you know what's going to happen but they play okay. it up yeah um but it's just really well done you know but you don't know yeah exactly and and it's done really well and then there's like these outward attackers and it's just this craziness but it would have to be a situation along those lines where it's all a big lie and everybody's fighting against it yeah which i guess kind of brings us back to like that's kind of how the whole situation would have to be if you were actually living on a flat earth is because you would have to be if you're someone who's trying to convince the world that it's a sphere but you actually know it's a flat earth yeah. It would have to be this like secret society where you're trying to keep it from everyone. Right. You know? And and I've never gotten that. I've so never do the super soldiers know it's flat? Well Or do I, they just know it's I feel like the super nice soldiers ball. would only know that they have this plot of land to protect and that's it. Like right. if you see a sailboat, shoot the guy. Like that's that's all they yeah, would know. Vaporize them. Yeah, that's all they would have, you know. And the reality would be I mean, if you if you break it down and you think about it, there's no I don't understand a way where there could be a global elite holding over the idea that the earth is actually flat when it's a globe right? over everyone else. Right. So, I, I mean, I work. think we've pretty clearly disproved the fact that <laughs> there could be a like civilization of super soldiers protecting the Antarctic right. wall. I think we dove into that a little, little, uh, little deep. Whatever. It was fun. So, yeah. So diving into that is crazy because the realities are wild of what it would actually take for that to exist. Right. And then, I mean, if we want to take it even further, if you look at, you know, the flat earth and it's surrounded by the wall, what is actually under the earth? What's driving that upwards? You know, so right. how does gra- how is gravity created? Like, right. What like, is gravity? Is there anything over the earth? Is it just like, above the earth is just space or is it a bubble or right. or what? So gravity is a big thorn in the side of all of the flat earther theories. And so don't they try and say that it doesn't exist? Like gravity is not real. Basically. Yeah. Like it's essentially that no, there is no gravity. And then you see people. So post, what makes stuff go down? Well, what makes stuff go up? You know, it also, it goes both ways, you know, so you see videos on YouTube where people release balloons and they're like what now flat earther you know so (laughs) (laughs) so that's just particle density relax right exactly (laughs) so so that is a big part of it is they they say things are heavier than other things so they fall faster or slower yeah which denies terminal velocity okay yeah (laughs) yeah i mean all right cool so like a hammer and a feather and all that stuff and then um you know from 30 feet that's true but right so one of the leading theories of what is causing this whole gravity effect with flat earthers is that the earth is actually the flat earth coin or snow globe or disc or whatever you want to look at is accelerating upwards at 32 feet per second squared. And that is driven entirely by quote unquote dark energy. Okay, so there's like a dark energy rocket strapped to the bottom of the flat earth that's right. pushing us up for infinity time. Infinity, yeah. To where? 
to nowhere to up to okay to up <laughs> okay to up so essentially it's slightly less believable than a hundred million NASA super soldiers living on the ground down remains of the kids who want to be in theater and band camp. Right. Uh, because essentially like, yeah, you're just going up forever. Where is that? What does that mean? You know? Yeah. And what's below it? Like what, what is pushing it up? Is there a rocket? Is this just some weird dark energy? And they all basically come together and say, they don't know. You know, they try to put this together. They try to think about it. And the end result is they just literally say they don't know. So something's doing it, but they've yet to this, like technology has not far enough along to be able right. to prove anything that they're saying with any sort of like definitiveness because there's no getting to the underneath. Right. Exactly. Well, right. And, and that's a thought. There is a lot of contemplation about what is underneath you know some people say it's just a bunch of rocks some people say the earth is balanced on top of um uh mountains some people say there's a gigantic turtle floating through space yeah which is one of my favorite theories yeah i mean you know it's like the even within you know round earth theory right if we think about deep space Right. right there's still a lot of very unprovable deep space theory even within round earth so it's like it's stuff like um like the constantly expanding of space and stuff like that and eventually like if you fly for an infinite number of light years in one direction you would eventually hit this like dark matter wall of like something something yeah right because they know the universe or the the infiniteness of space is constantly expanding, but right. the question is expanding to where? Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I, it's almost unfathomable because if you think about the hundreds of millions of solar systems and the hundreds of millions of galaxies that are out there, but where is the end? You yeah. know what I mean? Like forever that, is an, is an, is an impossible thing for our brains to conceptualize. So it's right. like, eventually, is there? a forever or eventually is there like a giant black ball of goop that is constantly (laughs) expanding and is that like just floating in the whatever of infiniteness or is that like inside of a a marble on the necklace of a cat from men in black like we don't know you know or do you get to the edge and it's another nasa super soldier right (laughs) (laughs) like at the edge of the universe just be like whoa 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 yeah i i don't know like that kind of deep space theory is really interesting to me because like we as humans we're talking about such a vast space oh yeah you know there's no way unless we are to develop the technology to either time travel or bend space time to travel the amount of distance we're talking about to get to what would be the edge of infinity. Right. You know, so in our lifetimes or the next million lifetimes of our people, if we even live that long, or, you know, if our, you have humans even live that long, because, you know, by the time we even have the technology or have the time to travel this amount of distance, chances are the, the sun is going to go full black hole. We've got a while. Yeah. Or well, it's not going to go full black hole. The Earth will be destroyed at the point where the sun becomes destabilized and starts yeah. to expand into the next level of which. Sun. Like that's like four billion years. We've got we've got a little bit of time. I think I don't know. I think it's more than that. It's a it? it's a lot of time. 
Doc, I, I watched an episode of Doctor Who, and they clearly said in four billion years, that's when the sun will expand. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, once the sun destabilizes yeah. and because... I mean, we'll be long dead before that. I mean, Yeah, I mean, because yeah. even within where we're living now, like you have to think like the amount of just pure like almost luck that it takes for a planet orbiting around a star to reach a level of equilibrium where life can exist in a situation where the thing it's orbiting around is in a constantly destabilizing state. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot of, there's a lot of variables there that could have sent everything spinning off into the void and no life happening at all. Right. Or the life that we know now magically gets blinked out of existence or whatever. Oh, I mean, literally tomorrow there could be one thing that happens that ends all life on this planet. Yeah, there could be a massive solar flare that just like easily we just happened. It's happened before, you know, and it's it's yeah. And I mean, the Earth is affected by solar flares all the time. Like you know, sometimes I'll be sitting at my desk and like Wi-Fi is not working or my phone won't connect to the uh, connect to the cell signal or whatever. And like in the back of my head, I'm like are we going through a solar flare right now? Like Which are we happens? getting hit yeah. by gamma rays and that's just like fucking up the magnetic. Yeah. I mean, in the 18, in the 1800s, there was a solar flare so bad that it basically wiped out all the electronics that we had in the 1800s. It killed all the, uh, like do, 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 like the Morse code lines. Yeah. Yeah. It like wiped all those out, like all the transmission. Oh, lines. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. It was the 1800s. And if it, if that happened today, um, it would wipe out every electronic, device on the side of the planet that the flare pointed towards. Yeah. So essentially a gigantic EMP that would kill all electronics on that side of the earth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Which happens, if you're interested you know? in EMP theory or what would happen if like, so one thing that sometimes like scares me is this idea that humans have nukes and humans are infallible, basically animals that, yeah. you know, are singular, very intelligent creative people, but as a group are very stupid animals and whatever, um, is that we have these weapons that when they go off on the ground, they create huge explosions. But a side effect of that is an EMP comes off of them. Right. And if you detonate one in the upper atmosphere, the EMP basically just uh, covers a massive area. Yeah. Uh, it like it like flies along the magnetic, you know, field that's going around the earth and then it just kind of falls as it comes out of the magnetic field. Yeah. And um, there's a bunch of books out there that talk about it. But one oh, yeah. of the really good ones I've read is from a, a North Carolina author and it's called The Second After. Oh, yeah. I it's a great that. book. It yeah, explores yeah. the idea years ago. of yeah. what would happen if a tactical nuke went off in the upper atmosphere above the east coast of the United States. And, yeah. if, and you know, basically the EMP goes off and one day they're there. And I didn't the know he's day, from North Carolina. Yeah. Well, I think he's originally from like New York or New Jersey or something like that, but gotcha. he moved to and lives in Black Mountain. And so the area oh, that they're gotcha, talking okay. about is in Black Mountain, which okay. is an area in North Carolina in between yeah. uh, Charlotte and Asheville. I love so, that. I love that book. I got a copy of it when it came out, when it first came out. Yeah. A sequel came out to it and I haven't read it. Oh, and that I was a number that. of years ago. It was like the year after or something oh, like that. I'll pick that up. I didn't yeah, know that came it's out. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, I, well, Going back a little bit, like the the crazy thing about like the size of the universe, we were talking about NASA super soldiers at the extension of the universe. Yeah. The when I found out about this specific thing, it kind of blew my mind. Was uh, I remember I think I was a teenager or something, and I found out like the known universe is thirteen billion miles wide, thirteen billion light years wide. Okay. 
And I don't know how we could even know that, but well, it, and th- this is how we know that is, and this is what blew my mind was that because the earth has been around for 6 billion years or whatever it is. Okay. The light has only had that much time to travel to the earth. So we can only see how far the light has traveled since we were essentially created as a planet. Okay. So, so the interesting thing about that is I saw a thing recently where, so we as a people accept that there is the idea that we have the ability to measure the speed of light. Right. We actually don't. Not at all. No. Cool. Um, and the reason for that <laughs> is because the only way that we are able to measure the speed of light is yeah. the speed of light in multiple directions. We have we do not have the ability okay. to measure the speed of light in a singular direction. Interesting. Only two ways. So the way that they test the speed of light now is basically they send a beam of light out. It hits essentially a mirror a known yeah. distance away, and then that light comes back and hits another sensor, oh, and we're able okay. to test the amount of time it takes to get from the other side back. Right. And there's all kind of issues with that, like uh, time dilation and uh, you know the curvature of the Earth and gravity's effect on light, and right. there's all of this stuff. So. The only way they're able to test light is they, that two-way system. They send it out, it hits a thing, comes back, they account for time dilation and all this stuff. Um, but there is no way to test for light going in one direction. So it leaves this... So from like a, if we make a couple of assumptions that are fairly easy to make, we can assume that we do know the speed of light because we do that test and then we cut it in half, boom, that's the speed of light. Um the question there, though, is... But is that accurate? Yeah. Right. Does Is the speed of light constant in all directions? And there's no way to test that. And, and what happens if it bounces? Like, you know, is, yeah, there's it, a lot of variables. Right. There. Is the speed of light heading towards the first mirror different from the refractory speed coming back from the yeah. second mirror? Like, um, so it's the question of, like... So it's like, imagine if you had an astronaut or a person on Earth and then you had an astronaut, like, on Mars or, or on the moon or something. Right. Right. And we send a signal out and we know it takes or we think it takes 10 minutes to get there. And then they send a signal back and they think it takes 10 minutes to get back. The amount of time between when they sent the signal and they receive a signal is 20 minutes. The question there is, does the signal or does the speed of light stay constant in both directions? So it could be it takes 10, it takes 20 minutes for the signal to reach and instantaneous for it to right. come back. Or it could be instantaneous on the way there take 20 minutes to come back. And there's no way to know. And who knows about what it's traveling through. Like it could go really fast for half of the way and then slow down. Right. Right. And there's no way to test the singular speed of light. Yeah. And so, there's no so way yeah, to test so, it in different directions either. We only that makes know sense. From, the dire- from the orientation we're testing it in. Yeah. So it's so that's one of those things that we're just like, I mean, from a logical perspective, you could fairly easily get to the idea that light would travel at the same speed in every direction. Yeah. There's no reason that it wouldn't, but there's no way to prove that it does. Interesting. Not yeah. definitively, not without doing a two-way speed test. So, right. Yeah. So, th- so that makes total sense. So when they say the known universe is 13 billion, you know, light, light years across. Right. You look, if you split that half is 6.5, the earth has been here for 6.5 billion years. Right. So we can only take in the theoretical light that has been coming in our direction for that amount of time. So that's what makes the 13 billion years across. Right. And that's based on a number of assumptions that we can't prove. Right. 
So it could very easily be older than that. It could be younger than that. It could be older on one direction and younger in a different direction. There's no way for us to really know. Yeah. Um, you know, because until we can develop a system where we can test the one-way speed of light, there's no way for us right. to prove definitively. And we're still like trying that to get that past the, true either. Yeah, and we're still trying to get past the moon. You know, like we're still trying to figure that out. You know? Right. We're still trying to put people on Mars or whatever. Right. Exactly. Um, which I think there was sometime recently the Chinese did some sort of a um, uh, what's it called terraforming experiment on Mars. Oh, really? Um. And they came back initially and reported that it wasn't very successful. But apparently they were able to grow a plant on the surface. Oh. And it I, I can't remember if it was on Mars or it was on the moon. So don't quote me on this one. Yeah. But I know that wherever it was, it was a terrestrial body. Uh and wow. uh they were able to grow a plant and that plant sprouted two leaves or something. Huh. And so it was much more successful than they initially thought it was. I feel like that's a big success in any metric. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. So yeah, now that we've kind of walked through all that stuff, um, you know, talking about the, the whole like flat earth again thing, the what we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah. We're supposed to be talking about. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I don't, I don't want to dive into like we were talking about. I don't want to dive into all the different celebrities who believe or don't believe because I feel like that's kind of silly. Um, yeah, I mean, in my opinion, like the people we should be listening to are the people smarter than us anyway. So please. Yes. And I, I honestly am one of those people who really just doesn't give a single shit about what a celebrity has to say. They're just some person who makes music or plays sports or whatever. Like they, like, and some of them are extremely intelligent. Of course. Like they may have a poli sci degree or a physics degree. Like Tom Morello from uh, Rage Against the Machine. He's a Harvard degree in in political science. Yeah. And um, uh, there's an actress I'm thinking of in my head. I can see her face, uh, but I can't think of her name right now. It's the same way. She has like a law degree from Harvard or something like that. So I'm not saying that these people are from Wonder Years is a mathematician of some sort. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's that's a really cool one too. But um, And like I'm not saying that they aren't intelligent. Yeah. But you know, if they're not in the field, actively, I agree. I agree. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's like the, I think I sent an article to Jake recently that just to like kind of goof. Cause I thought it, he would think it was interesting, but it was this article about how, uh, the guitarist from Deftones is a flat earther and right. is also a COVID denier. Right. And I'm just like, I mean, it's interesting, but <laughs> do I really give a shit? No. Right. You is know this what guy I mean? making you choose choices and yeah. change your opinion? Yeah. yeah. And so when like I see celebrities coming out talking about how they have, you know, about political stuff or about uh, it, literally anything, I'm like, if you're not talking about your sport or your music, like I don't give a fuck about your opinion. Right. A hundred percent. I totally agree. So let's, we won't talk about that. Yeah. And, and we're going to move beyond some of the stuff that's like the basic proofs of flat earth. Cause we, we know those are, you know, there's people out there arguing the earth is flat. And if you watch, there was the um, there was the documentary on Netflix that came out last year that kind of broke down what a lot of different people believed. And it, the end of it really exemplified the whole idea that one of the main reasons people dive into whole flat earth belief is because it gives them a group of people to be friends with, to have a crew, you know? Yeah. It gives them it gives them a group where they can be taken seriously. 
um, in a place where, you know, in other aspects of their life, they're probably not taken very seriously. Yeah. I mean, I think most people aren't taken seriously most of the time anyway. I um, never am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not really either. And like, I think most of this too can probably tie back to the social media thing we've talked about. It's like if you lean in any kind of direction, social media is going to take you there. It's going to polarize you. It's going to give you proof for what you think. So if you even entertain flat earth, eventually social media is going to take you that with air. It's going to link you with people who believe the same thing. They're going to give you, you know, whatever proof it's going to take to get you to believe it or whatever. And then once you're friends with them, you know, whatever you're into it. Yeah. So, so Karen Douglas, who's a, she's a psychologist at the university of Kent in the United Kingdom. She studies the uh, psychology of conspiracy theories. And she says that flat earthers beliefs cohere with those of other conspiracy theorists in general, that she basically showed that conspiracy, conspiracy theorists share, especially around flat earth, share one basic thrust is that they present this alternative theory about an important issue or event. And they construct an often vague explanation for why someone is covering up that quote unquote true version of events. And she said, one of the major points of appeal is that they explain a big event, but often without going into details. She said a lot of the power lies in the fact that they are vague. So NASA super soldiers, ice walls, weirdness and the edges of reality. Yeah. That's how they maintain. I don't want to say control over people who are coming into belief, but that's how they maintain their thought process. Right. You know? Well, I mean, it's the same way to me that like religion grabs people or 100%. you're able to um, like the guy who did spaghetti monster theory. Like 100%. it's not provable, but it's not disprovable. So how are you going to tell him that he could be wrong? You know what I mean? And that to me is the same thing as like a lot of religion. You know what I mean? Right. I'm like, I'm happy to believe, show me the proof and you can. Yeah. And so I'm just like, all right, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> right. Get out of my face. <laughs> and, th and that comes and and that comes down to exactly that is that a lot of the flat earthers are way more adamant that the earth is flat then the average person is about the earth being round. You know, yeah. you and I are not out there every day being like, the earth is it's round. round. It's like, definitely round. MFers get behind this. Yeah. But like they are out there telling people that it's flat every single day, all yeah. day long, you know, and it, and it builds up their entire belief system. Yeah. And, and, and like, I'm not against the idea that there are mysteries about the universe. Sure. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there's all kind of strange stuff that there's happens plenty, to me. Yeah. Like, doesn't necessarily need science to prove it. Like there's just strange things in the universe, you know, and there's a certain level of acceptance there, but there's a certain level of there is stuff that can be proven and disproven. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the fact is like, if there's this my, like minor group that believes something like the earth is flat and you have questions about it, or, you know, if you're faced with this viewpoint, uh, and the proponents don't deviate from these strong opinions that they have. If they're in there banging that, you know, earth is flat or this flat, a lot of people are more likely to like dive into that because they, they feel like if you care about it so strongly, maybe it does mean something. Yeah. You know? So, you know, again, again, I'm saying it again, but we keep doing it is I don't want to keep diving into like why flat earthers believe what they do um, because it's, it's not as interesting as what they believe when it comes down to, what the flat earth actually looks like. That's where I find. Okay. So the let's most talk about that. So, all right. So what's, what's the flat earth like? All right. So we've talked a little bit about the pizza. 
right. we've talked a little bit about the ice wall, the dome. What what else even is there? All right, so so we'll we'll break down some history on this. So like, okay, um, the the quote unquote ancients, like the the people from back in the day, you know, Babylonians, Sumerians. They had all these novel ideas about the shape of the earth. Babylonians thought the earth was completely hollow because they thought there was an underworld down there, you know, hell or whatever. Okay. They thought the only way the earth could exist as a thing was it had to be hollow. So they they started this kind of like alternative shape of the earth thing. And before before the Babylonians, there were already thoughts that, you know, the earth was a sphere. That was already something that was thought of, you know. Okay. And so then moving on to the Egyptians, Egyptians thought the earth was a square uh, with four straight up corners and there were mountains at the edges and the mountains held up the vault of the sky, which is essentially where their gods lived, all that stuff. Okay. So essentially they were looking at a poker table with cones on the edges and a fort built on top of it. So not a cube. No, not a cube. Think, think poker table, cones on the edges and then you drape a blanket over it and build like a little fort for your hamster in the middle. Okay. That's how they thought of the earth. Okay. Um, uh, cool. That's yeah. an off the wall one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's what the Egyptians flat out thought, you know, the Egyptians big deal. You know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, they did their thing, built some pyramids. Um, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. The aliens <laughs> built the pyramids. Right. So, so they worked with the people that built the pyramids. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's true. they the were time, ens- the, enslaved. Who knows? Jesus was a time traveler, and the right. uh, the pyramids are intergalactic beacons. Like, come on, that's I saw true. Stargate. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so going to Jesus, uh, many, many current flat earthers believe that the Bible is actually like a flat Earth book, like a guide. So they okay. go back to the Genesis story, uh, Genesis creation myth and they look at it and it says the earth earth is covered by a vault the same way the Egyptians with the cones and the the you know fort built over it the firmament and and that the celestial bodies move inside of that vault so basically you have the cones holding up the sheet and then the celestial bodies move underneath that sheet okay um, and then they say that there's water inside of those celestial, celestial bodies and that's essentially that water at some point dropped down and that's Noah's flood. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, I don't really know what to say about that. Like, right. I mean, what right. do you say? Like, cool. okay. Yeah. That's what Word. they think. Um, <laughs> but then, but then, you know, we get Aristotle. So Aristotle started arguing that it was a spherical earth uh, for multiple reasons and uh, things like the gradual disappearance of ships over the horizon. He looked out as ships sailed away and he noticed that they slowly disappeared instead of just yeah they kind of like off sank to their down death. over the thing it wasn't like they were there and then boop gone right because you would think people would notice if every time they sent a ship out the, they just fell off the face of the earth right over the face of the earth yeah um they found that there was a shape to the curved shadow of the earth on the moon during eclipses so you know the the curve of the moon yeah um, there was a variation of the sun's elevation with latitude. Um, so, you know, different times a year, the sun would come in at different angles. They noticed all these different things. Yeah. Um, they noticed that there was also a variation of stars elevation with latitude. So if they were in different parts of the planet, the stars would look different. Yeah. Which is pretty obvious. Makes sense. Um, the fact that one, that you see different stars when you go further north or further south, you know, that's right. a, that's a pretty good sign. Um, uh, another big thing that Aristotle noticed, which was what we were talking about, uh, with astronauts up in the space station is that matter tends to form into different drops or globules 
And the earth in forming from chaotic matter did the same thing. That's what he was proposing is that, you know, when you eat a piece of yogurt and drop it, it turns into a globe and the earth did the same thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, he also said that uh, when one travels west from Greece, you find African elephants. But when you travel east, you find Asian elephants. Uh, he didn't understand that he was heading in different directions, really. He thought he was traveling around the entire earth and seeing the same elephant. He didn't okay. know they were different. Okay. So we're going to leave that one out of it. And just right. let him have his elephant nonsense. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if you, if you stop this list before that whole elephant thing, it's pretty spot on, you know, physics is a reality that's been completely observed since the earliest days and it's settled. And so the pesky nonsense of physics has just made flat earthers more persist, persistent in their search for uh, meaning based on uh, their whole experiments that they put together. So a uh, flat earther, uh, who's a, who's kind of a YouTuber, YouTuber influencer, this guy named Eric Dubay who has a bunch of really big, uh, I think he's been banned from YouTube lately, but he used to have a massive amount of videos that would have hundreds of millions of views. And and these videos were basically talking about, uh, you know, 200 beliefs of flat earth. And he would go through these really kind of shaky, logical things. Um, but as his channel grew, he, I think he felt that he needed to kind of kick it up a notch mm -hmm. and he started putting out videos like dinosaurs aren't real and gravity isn't real and trees don't exist. Uh, what? Trees? Yeah, trees. So he, he put out a video called there are no trees on flat earth and essentially said that trees don't exist. Uh, what? Yeah. Yeah, that one just like <laughs> no, no trees bottles my mind. So the trees you and I see, like the tree we were talking about earlier, the ones that Are flood like my gutters and don't flood your digital gutters. projections or something. Well, no, those actually exist, but they're just weeds. So if you look at gigantic stone plateaus in Arizona and different places, mm -hmm. those are actually the remnants of gigantic world trees like trees that were several thousand okay, feet Like the tall. Gaia tree and stuff. Exactly, yeah. Okay. So because those trees have all been cut down and they're gone, uh -huh. there's no actual trees left on flat earth. Okay, so the trees we have are just weeds of the world trees. Right, exactly. Like when, you, like when the nuts drop and the little things come up. That's what we're left with. All right, bud. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, that, you basically <laughs> have a non-theory. <laughs> it doesn't even, it's, there's like not even a takeoff there. It's just kind of like, yeah. I don't yeah, even no really trees. know what to say about that. Again, yeah. I'm just like, what a random off the wall thing. If you want, if you want some entertainment, I highly recommend the dinosaurs aren't real video because he he digs into like why he thinks there are no dinosaurs. I think his worldview is that the Earth is six thousand years old, and he digs into the dinosaurs of basically saying that they're all entirely fake from the beginning because back in the 1800s, a bunch of scientists got in a competition to try to find more dinosaurs than anyone else. Yeah. And that proves that there's no dinosaurs. Uh, sure. Yeah. So anyways, I mean, I'm, it doesn't, but all right. Right. He's pretty widely regarded as full of shit. So yeah. Okay. You know. So anyways, the entire point of this video, now that we're nine hours in, uh, was looking, <laughs> looking at the different models of what flat earthers believe. Okay. So I'm going to dive into these and, uh, let me know what you think. Okay. So all the right. first one, uh, is Professor Orlando Ferguson's biblical map of the square and stationary earth, which sounds like one of those things that's like lemony snickets, 
like potion for making your toes not curl. You know, it's like one of those like, uh, you know, snake oil medicine things. Yeah. This guy and uh, you could find this map if you actually Google Professor Orlando Ferguson's biblical map of the square and stationary earth. You can find this on the Library of Congress. They have a really high res version of this. Oh, wow. Okay. And down in the bottom corner, he has uh, written, send 25 cents to the author, Professor Orlando Ferguson, for a book explaining this square and stationary earth. It knocks the globe theory clean out. It will teach you how to foretell eclipses. It's worth its weight in gold. So clearly a grift from early days where he was looking to make money off this map. Okay. Yeah. Um, he had it printed in a couple different local newspapers, and uh, apparently he made some decent money off of it. Nice. Um, Way to go, bud. Capitalism. Yeah, hey, do it. You know, it was 1893. You and this was 1893's Birds Aren't Real. So Exactly. So he is from, uh, so Professor Ferguson is from Hot Springs, South Dakota. He published his map, uh, and it depicts that the world is spread over a basin with a mound in the middle. So essentially, if you look like a bunt cake mold, it's uh, there's a dome in the middle and then it flares in the bottom and then comes back up to the to the squares edges on the top. Okay. If that makes sense. Yes. Kind of looks like something you could lay a donut in and it would cover the bottom half of the donut okay. and only the top half would stick above. Okay. So lining the rim of the basin is the jagged coast of Antarctica all the way around the edges, which forms the icy edge of the world, which no doubt is where our NASA super soldiers have been stationed since 1893. Yep. Uh, The sun and the moon are depicted as rotating lamps suspended at the end of arc-shaped arms rooted in the Arctic center of the Earth. So those... So it's like an Ikea lamp. Exactly. But it's like it's like one of those hanging Ikea lamps. The droopy Ikea lamp. Yeah. That's the sun. And they're in the middle and they just like rotate around. All right. All right. So um, it's inventive enough to be kind of fascinating, but uh, then we look at the icy edge where he chose to extend the perimeter to form an entirely square shape, and he placed angels at all four corners. This detail was directly inspired by Revelation 7, which says four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding back the four winds. Yeah, okay. so he, he also scribbled a bunch of... Uh, passages from scripture all around it and basically said uh, that's what's that and on the right side he included a image of two men clinging to a rapidly rotating globe shaped earth that was flying at 65,000 miles per hour which he labeled as clearly impossible (laughs) yeah I mean (laughs) it, it is impossible if you imagine people big enough to grab onto the earth like uh, like sure yeah all right all right whatever they were like dilbert sized dudes hanging on and the earth was like the size of a large medicine ball kind of yeah. situation it'd be like uh that episode of rick and morty where they go to the one planet and when they land yes. on it it's like big enough for them four to just sit down on it right exactly yeah okay. all right um so you know this whole situation poses a lot more questions that it could possibly than it could answer yeah um especially when you start diving into the whole religion of it you know what's under the square uh what's going on with the with the ocean in that kind of u-shaped cavity like does it just fill to the top but then flood brazil like what's going on with all that stuff right and if you go to the library of congress and you pull this up you'll see what i'm talking about he basically read that angels were at four corners and filled in the rest as he went along and then decided he wanted to make a quarter off of everybody who saw it and uh that one is pr- 
pretty close to what a lot of flat earthers believe today. Like, so there's a whole cadre of biblical flat earthers nowadays as there are with everything. Okay. And they believe this. This is one of the ones that they buy into. And so it's, you know, been there since 1893. Um, the, the most common, commonly bought one right now is Gleason's new standard map of the world from 1892. So one year before. Um, this is most commonly referred to as the AE map or the Azimuthal Equidistant World Map, uh, which basically looks exactly like if you look at the UN website, that is what you're looking at. So the one, the reason why this one is really popular with everybody is because people are used to seeing it. When you look at every uh, kind of flat picture of the Earth, this is something that you're looking at. Okay. You know, it's just it's really common. It's in plain sight. And it gives an added bonus when you start talking about conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. You can say they've been hiding this in plain sight all along. The UN is rubbing this in our face. You know, they're 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 shoving it in our face and they are the Illuminati of flat Earth. Exactly. So, yeah. So that's basically like what their their pros of that one are. But when you start digging into it again, the azimuthal projection map is just one of many ways to represent what is actually a three D surface. You know globe clearly right it, it's been used for hundreds of years but when you start pulling it apart and, and looking at how it's constructed mm-hmm. the longitudinal lines that continue out to radiate from the middle of the globe uh just expand and expand towards the edges so they get bigger and bigger so where you circle the earth in the middle that's a certain size as you go out it grows larger and larger and larger mm-hmm. and that doesn't speak to what we actually know of as the size of the globe so if you're flying from Sydney to Brazil, it's not 50 times the width of flying from Germany to New York, you know? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. I did, I, yeah. I had to think about it for a minute. I'm yeah. Like, all yeah. right. So, cause if you look at it, like that's not an ap- accurate representation of distance. Exactly. Cause it looks like a bicycle wheel with the spokes going out towards the edge. Yeah. You know? So, so anyway, so that's the most common map nowadays. And then we then we have Samuel Burley Robotham's original map of the flat Earth, um, another pretty old one. Where uh, this guy used something called the Zetetic astronomy, which Zetetic just means skeptical, and he looks at the uh, the the models of the Earth, which are just an enclosed plane centered on the North Pole and bounded along its perimeter by a wall of ice. Again, the same whole wall of ice thing. And it's got the sun, the moon, the planets, and the stars moving several thousand miles above the surface of the earth. So back to that lamp IKEA setup. Okay. So this guy has the basically the UN map with all of the stars, maps, moon, planet, everything dangling above it. The reason this one is kind of interesting is because this guy started this thing called the um Universal Zetetic Society, and he published numerous books and pamphlets discussing the flat earth. One thing that really set this guy apart was his ability to just flat out lie about everything he talked about. He was taken to a pier and challenged to prove that the, flat, that the earth was flat and proceeded to the, to the beach where a telescope had been set up. His opponents had claimed that only the lantern of the Eddystone Lighthouse, 14 miles out to sea, would be visible. In fact, only half of the lantern was visible because of where they were set on the pier. But Roe Bouthman just basically lied through his teeth and turned to everyone and said, no, this is not what you're seeing. He basically wiggled his way out of it by lying further. 
And then he uh, turned around and married a 16-year-old. So, you know, he did that. And uh, he patented a bunch of inventions along the lines of things called life-preserving cylindrical railway carriages and other things like that that just made no sense at all. And, you know, he was a grifter of the highest method. All right. So he did flatter stuff, and then he just ditched on that to marry a 16-year-old and sell <laughs> snake right. oil inventions. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Word. And this dude sounds lit. You can start digging into the whole, the whole history of like people who set up flat earth different models. Yeah. And they follow that plot. Yeah. You okay. Know, they, they, they typically end the same way, kind of like doing crack in the gutter. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. With their 16 so, year old mistress, mistress. They come up with these gigantic ideas and it just falls apart, you know? So there's another dude, Wilbur Glenn Voliva. He, uh, he was born on a farm in Indiana uh, went to Union Christian College in Merrim, Indiana, uh, graduated five years later and became a minister. And then he decided he was a physicist, you know, as one does as they leave, you know, ministry school. Yeah. So this and you dude, definitely get your PhD in physics at, right. at the God school. Right. So this guy went to this big, like kind of physics convention and soul tried to tell people that, uh, the sun being 91 million miles away is just completely silly. The sun is only 32 miles across and it's probably no more than 3000 miles up. And, uh, it only stands to reason. So because it has to be because God made the sun to light the earth and to put it any further away from its task would be ridiculous. And then he said uh, direct quote, uh, what would you think of a man who built a house in Zion and put the lamp to light it in Kenosha, Wisconsin? Perfect I mean, logic. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, this dude's, I like this guy. This well, theory is bulletproof. Well, yeah. And then he, uh, I he, believe he went <laughs> on from here to, uh, to, uh, decide that the world was going to come to an end in 1923 and then 1927 and then 1930 and 1934 and 1935. He just kept saying the world was going to end. The world was going to end, uh, you know, taking money from people along the entire path. Well, I mean, I think it's more likely now that the world's going to end in uh, 2021. You would probably make more money off of that bet than you would have in 1923 and 1927. Probably. To be sure. You yeah. Know. I mean, because at this point, I think it's basically proven that the Mayans just had a typo when they said it was 2012. <laughs> so, they know. meant 22? Yeah, they meant 21. Yeah. Not 12. Makes sense. Yeah. It's going to be next year, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I, I would not be surprised. So, um, and then we get to uh, the donut earth. The donut earth. The donut. I think I saw one similar to the donut earth at some point where it was like the infinity shaped earth. Whereas like I have if you take a donut and you stretch it out a little bit and you kind Give of it rotate twist. it over. And so it's like, there's this shape. I can't remember what it's called, but it's, a bit, but it's basically like this twisted infinity where it's like a yeah, 3D infinity. Like DNA like almost. Twisted. Yeah. Yeah. But it like loops off at the end. Like a Mobius, Mobius yeah. strip. Yeah. 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 Exactly like a Mobius strip, except yeah. cylindrical. Okay. I would believe that more than the donut. Okay. Well, <laughs> tell me about the donut because I don't know about that either. All right. So, so even though the donut is not flat earth, uh, it's still like a pretty big theory there. So, uh, people on the internet are arguing flat, spherical, whatever, but torus shaped, which is just another fancy word for donut. Uh, the idea first appeared on the flatearthsociety.org website, which is a real page, and you can go there, and there's lots of people arguing. Go check it out. It's uh, it's worth a trip. Uh, one of the, uh, one of the uh, I, I think he was a moderator or somebody who, who had been there a lot, 
there was a uh, a user by the name of Dr. Rosen Penis, and uh, he put forth, I like him already. He sounds like a winner. He put forth the idea of the donut Earth, and in, this was back in two thousand eight. You know, pre messing around on the internet. All right. And uh, according to his theory, there's a huge hole in the center of the planet, obviously donut, yep. that we can't see because of the way that light bends and follows the curvature of the torus, torus being the donut, making the hole, quote unquote, unseeable. Uh, obviously, the theory raises a lot of questions about how gravity would work, which followers of the theory explain with a sugary uh, metaphor. Uh, imagine a donut and then imagine a jam donut and gravity just heads towards the jam. That's how it works. Um, all, right, all right. But jam donuts don't have a hole in the middle. So I that's know. I'm having a hard time of, even imagining this. Yeah. So there was a GIF on the uh, the website, Wait, of the page I was looking at. So would it be more like, so we're not talking about like a jelly donut. I think what they're trying to say is like a, um, oh, what is that thing called that pizza has? A stuffed crust pizza. Right, but the donut, like a stuffed yeah. crust donut. Yeah, imagine a donut, but it's a stuffed crust donut. Yeah, so there was a there was an illustration, an animation, where they showed uh, the moon actually traveling in circles between the, through the middle hole. So it's going in like a corkscrew. Exactly, from the around, inside the hole, around the outside. Around the entire of donut. Of the donut. And, around. and okay. it just showed the moon. I don't know how they pictured the sun in that whole situation, but I'm assuming it would be similar. But then you're going to get a halo effect where if you're in the earth, you're going to see, you're gonna, there's going to be a, a donut through the sky. You're going to see the other side. Unless gravity affects light, in which case their like theory about yeah, gravity not going light. through bending the light, then that's how you don't see the hole would be right. the same way that you would see a round thing during an eclipse or whatever. Right. Because the light's being bent around the hole. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I'm not I'm not a physicist, so I don't really know how black holes and bending light works, but I yeah. feel like that's not the way. Yeah. It, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So even given the benefit of the doubt, the uh, whole donut earth theory does not hold up to any basic scientific interrogation. Yeah. Um, a Taurus wouldn't have night or day. No, no sunrises, sunsets. Um, and we don't even know what would happen with the 24 hour rotation. Um, the sun would also hit the planet really unevenly. Um, and the, so the seasons would vary wildly and probably change throughout the day. And uh, there was a there was a physicist who did a really deep. So if you Google Donut Earth physicist, you'll find a guy yeah. who spent way too long, way too much time, way too much time going into exactly what life would be like on a Donut Earth. And it's one of the most fascinating things I've read. I, I, I wonder if this dude just got like really mad. I think he did. This. It and seemed he, that way. It seemed that way. He was yeah. he was very angry about the initial setup of it. Yeah. And he talked about how like instantly the, the the tidal waves would destroy this and he just goes into the whole thing about how it wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, and I feel like all of this is like a similar reason to why something like the halo, like from halo, right. would not be a thing either. Yeah. And so the halo brings it to a whole nother question because there was a um, writer in the 70s named Larry Niven who wrote a lot of um, science fiction books. Who He's an amazing writer. Check him out. Larry Nevin, he wrote a series of books called Ring World. Okay. And yeah, I've never even heard of this, but it sounds interesting. Uh, definitely read Larry Niven's Ring World because it's essentially what Halo was based on, like the, how you look at 
halo with the the thing going up over the sky. Yeah. So Larry Niven set out this proposal of what a gigantic ringed Earth would look like. Not Earth, but ringed planet would look like. Okay. And he breaks down the physics of every inch of this thing. And he talks about there's a sun in the middle, and then there's this series of um, like stringed panels that rotate around the sun that give you the night and day effect on the actual ring world. And he breaks down the size of the ring world. All right, all right. And the book is really cool because the ring world is the origin of the people who engineered like most of the universe and all these different things. And so like as you're traveling around on the ground of the ring world. The ring world is where the reptilian overlords come from. Sort of. Give me a second. I'll get there. Oh, shit. And so you're on the (laughs) ground. You're finding basically like different aspects of like animals and you see like humans and different things that live on this ring world okay now when you get up to the rim there's things that live in the rim called the pack protectors pak pack protectors okay and these are nasa super soldiers who live on the rings and their whole life and job is to protect the ring world from everything else and they have these cool like life cycles where when they're first born they're like kids who play, but then they they like mature, they breed, and then they turn into protectors who live like thousands of years. And they essentially keep the ring world running. It's it's a really fascinating book. I highly okay. recommend it. It's short. It's like it's like 250 pages or something. Oh shit, that's short enough for me. Uh, yeah, I I can I think I have a copy I can send it to you. It's okay. re, it's really good. All right, yeah, no, I Anyways, definitely want to read it now. So the donut world that the flat earthers nowadays are putting forward is stupid. Larry Niven's version of Ringworld is really cool. Yeah. Uh, Way more fascinating. Way more fascinating. Highly recommend it. If you read it, reach out to us. Let me know. I'll talk to you about it all day long. I love that book. Um, And then we can jump down into a couple other models. Uh, One, the Diamond model, which also has an aspect called the Pac-Man model. Okay. Um, So... The uh, the diamond model was started by this guy Darren Nesbitt, who is just some dude, uh, basically. Like he has all these like titles on his Twitter, but it doesn't mean anything. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he puts forth a entirely different theory that the Earth is actually a diamond shape held up by seven pillars uh, because God likes the number seven. Wait, yeah. isn't, isn't a diamond like four sides? Yeah. So there'd be one, two, three, four. Five. I don't know where the seven would come from. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Maybe they're just randomly spaced throughout. Like, are we talking about a diamond, like a geometric diamond, or are we talking about a diamond, like the pictures a 3D I saw? Diamond. The pictures I saw made it. It was a flat diamond. Okay. So, but even if you went to like baseball diamond, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, either way, it's stupid. And uh, the best part of his entire theory is he came up with this whole thing called the Pac-Man model. Okay. So one of the biggest problems with the flat earth is if you do manage to fight your way past the NASA super soldiers. Okay. uh, You know, you, you, you football shove them, you get them down, you get their rail gun, zap one of them. You run like crazy. You're in the ice field beyond the world and you're going and there's the edge. Yep. What do what you do? Happens? You jump for it. You just fly. I don't know. It's the end of the world. What are you going to do? So okay. like if you jump into it, this is where the Pac-Man model comes. Okay. So there are interdimensional wormholes all along the edge of the entire planet. So when you jump into it, you just reappear on the entire other side of the planet. Like Pac-Man. When you go off one side of the map, you come up on the other okay. side. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Because you said Pac-Man and in my head, I was like, it's Pac-Man shaped. Oh, you're picturing a pizza with a slice out of it? Yeah. No, it's so it's a diamond. Okay, you're talking about it's a diamond shaped and when you go off the edge, you instantly you appear on the other, the other side. So as you're running away from the NASA super soldiers right. and you get, go into the event horizon of the infinite wormhole that surrounds the diamond. Exactly. You are immediately teleported to the other side of the diamond where you are now running towards more NASA super soldiers who exactly. are just ready to kill you. Or probably facing away from you because they don't know you're coming. Maybe. So you could push them into the icy waters below. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, you, but you're still in a world of NASA super soldiers, their wives and kids. Right. So, yeah. I don't know what you would do. And there's, you know, super NASA subway. And they're rail guns. They're horrible, horrible rail guns. I mean, yeah. what do you, you can't run from those. Yeah, no. I, I don't know. So anyways, it's not a perfect theory. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, I, I don't know Clearly where you go. not perfect. Right. So I don't know where you go from Pac-Manning around to the other side. But anyways, you don't fall off. You Pac-Man to the other side. Okay. Um, and uh, Mr. Darren Nesbitt has said that his Pac-Man theory expands to every other kind of flat earth theory. So okay. he just rubber stamped that on everybody else's theories and said, this is how it works. Okay. There's so no Pac-Man applies to all flat earth theory. Right. Yeah. Okay. Except the next one. So okay. the next one is probably my favorite out of all, which we did briefly talk about again. Okay. Uh, you know, we've got the, we've got the domed earth. We've got our snow globe earth and it is sitting on the back of a turtle. It's called geoterrapinism. You, you're, either, Sick. you're either on the back of a turtle, maybe a large lizard, a, um, I, I like the turtle. Perhaps a bearded dragon. They're cute. They wave at people. They love taking baths. They do. Yeah. Or like a leopard gecko. Very fun little lizard. So anyways, you're you're on the back of some sort of lizard or okay. creature. Okay. Um, you know, there's been some interesting. Uh, so what's the creature on? Just floating in the ether. Okay. Yeah, you're just out there. <laughs> okay. But then there's probably it's other... friends with the spaghetti monster. They right, hang out exactly. sometimes, have dinner. Spaghetti monster's probably its boss, like tells it where to go, what to yeah, do. Yeah, I need you to come in on Sunday. Right. Come nibble on your TBS report <laughs> yes. while the flat earth exists <laughs> on your back. Yep. Well, I mean, so like there's probably an endless amount of turtles floating around with flat earth. Other flat earths. They hang them. out together and talk about how their earth is doing. Right, and we're all just on their backs. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, and I, I imagine if you jump off of them, you'll probably just appear back at the other corner. Yeah. If you manage to get past the NASA super soldiers that are probably just fleas on the back of a gigantic turtle. Well, I wonder if two gigantic turtles are hanging out and they just happen to like walk up beside each other oh. where they're walking side by side and you go to jump off if there could be like a black hole interference between the two and when you jump off you don't pac-man to the other side you pac-man to the other earth what if there were gigantic flat earth turtle car crashes oh i don't know <laughs> so it could be bad but anyways the um the theory dates back to the 17th century after some random dude named jaster dankarts uh, talked to some Native Americans and they began discussing their early creation myths. And some of some of the Native Americans in the United States do have an early creation myth that stems from uh, the world being on the back of a turtle. Yeah, I imagine that this stems well, because the one that I think about like this is like the you know Greek Roman one where it's like the Earth is on the back of the of the Titan. Right. Yeah, and I can't remember what 
Oh, is that Atlas, I believe? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, where's the earth? <laughs> like, yeah. and, and what do you do from there? And if Titan was, or if Atlas was holding the earth, are his shoulders just like destroying continents? Is it resting against the earth? I don't know. Yeah. No, there would just be like a little ring of uh, wormholes that when you oh. get close to his shoulders, they just you to the other side of their shoulder. What if he was wearing like a magnetic shoulder brace and that just kept the earth levitating a little above? Or maybe one of his like Titan powers is that he's not actually holding it. He's like levitating it. That'd be fair. Then he should hold it like a pizza like in his hand. Well, it's heavy. He need, he'll still need. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't have this fully baked yet. It falls apart pretty quickly once yeah. you start poking holes. I, in it. I don't yeah. know. I'd have to think about how that works. And that's the problem with the whole geoterapism thing too. Is like, what is the turtle standing on? Where is this at? And, yeah, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's hanging out with its turtle buddies. Right. I don't know. And you know that turns into questions about like, well, who invented God? Who is God? Like, where did God come from? God invented himself. I don't right, know. exactly. If God is almighty, can God kill himself? Like, you know, it's all these, you know, these kind of questions. Yeah. It's like, um, uh, there's this show on Netflix. I really like the good place. Have you seen Oh it? yeah. That's amazing. I love it. Have, have you we watched just it all the way it. through? Yeah. We just finished. Oh it. my God. All right. I don't want to spoil or alert anybody yeah. because that the ending is amazing. Really great. Yeah. The ending is really amazing. But if you've seen the ending, I'm imagining that, but here God yes. is just like, has, what what happens to him is what happens to the characters at the end of the show. And they yeah. just like whatever they do, he does. Absolutely. Or whatever. I see or that she, too. Yeah. Whoever. I don't know. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, that's basically the end of the, uh, the different models I've got. There's, there's actually hundreds of them. I yeah. mean, you could go on I mean, and list them all day. Like, you know, if you sit down and think hard enough, I'm sure you could think of some batshit crazy and reason. That's where these come from. Is it's just somebody who is like, well, you know, gravity does this, so how can I counteract it? I know Pac-Man, you know. So yeah, people just pull stuff out of their butts and try to like shoehorn it into a theory, and that's what we end up with. You yeah, know? I don't know. I just like the NASA super soldiers. That's probably my favorite thing about all of this. But I mean, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna post some. Drawings. I want that to be real though. Yeah, we're gonna do some drawings of NASA super soldiers. We'll put them up. I am not going to do any okay. drawings. I, I will draw some NASA super soldiers or find something online like. that looks similar. Yeah. And uh, we'll put it up on our Instagram at, uh, at Bruluminati. Yeah. You, you can find them there. Yeah. Uh, when this gets released, we'll, we'll put them up there. Yep. Uh, but other than that, we are enjoying our beers and enjoying the current shape and gravity of our planet. Yep. I like uh, feet on the ground and round earth theory. It's my, it's the, it's the one that I like. It's pretty solid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode and we will see you again next time. joining us for this episode of Brew Luminati. Our intro and outro music is written by Dungeness. Want to learn more about the topics we cover and who we are? Join us on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Luminati Podcast for behind the scenes content and updates. Do you have mystical powers of insight or just questions, suggestions, and feedback? Reach out to us at thebrewluminati at gmail.com. Are you ready to immerse yourself into the inner circle? Visit patreon.com slash brewluminati podcast. 
For the same price as a cup of coffee or sandwich you won't remember, you know, because of mind control, you can join the Brewluminati and lift the veil on the true mysteries of the universe. Your membership to the Conclave unlocks access to our secret Discord server, bonus Patreon-only content, behind-the-scenes talks, and much more. Every dollar spent not only helps us reveal the truths of the world, but also frees us to make the show better, weirder, and allows us to go deeper and deeper into the void while funding our next beer run. When we're not talking conspiracies and beer, we're passionate about saving the forgotten puppies and kitties of the world. 10% of every dollar you donate goes directly to the Best Friend Pet Adoption Agency. They are a local 501c3 all-breed, all-foster cat and dog rescue that will save the life of a pet who never had a chance. Keep an eye out because we'll be posting pictures of the lives our listeners save. For more information on Best Friend Pet Adoption, head over to bfpa.org. Join us again next week for another episode of Brew Luminati. We know you will, because again, mind control is real. Thank you.